everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of the Mojo Radio Show. I have to say, this is probably uh, our biggest moment on the Mojo Radio Show, and for a couple of guys, they say uh, dead on the vine. <laughs> they call yeah. us dead daisies. We have a worldwide exclusive, folks, mm-hmm. for the Dead Daisies. You yeah. heard the intro track, Mexico. Robbo and I are massive fans. We're going to interview the boys face-to-face in the first week of Rocktober as our first show for Rocktober. Mate, mm. um, I can't believe This is honestly such, such a good show. I've done some, uh, uh, well, we've both done some pretty big things in radio, and there's probably a few that will outshine this, but there's not many. And i got to tell you, I'm pretty pumped about this. This is awesome. It, it's funny, though. The stuff we did in radio that was huge, you know, mm. with the biggest bands and everything else and the biggest personalities was good, but it wasn't really us. This is our, our little yes, show. that's right. Exactly. And to put you in the picture, folks, the Dead Daisies have contacted us and they have given us the worldwide exclusive rights to play the song you're going to hear on this show. No one else in the world has heard this. In fact, it's come straight from the studio, hasn't it, mate? It's hot off the press. It actually it was finished yesterday. So this is coming out of the studio. And for those people, I'm just going to give us some context because we're going to rip into the show here. But this is just um, worthwhile thinking about who these guys are. The Dead Daisies are a band of guys who've gotten together, a bit like the Party Boys of the old days in Australia. Mm. But they're all guys that are ex-Guns N' Roses, Whitesnake, Thin Lizzy, uh, Ozzy Osbourne, Billy Idol, uh, Red Phoenix, Mink, the Psychedelic Furs. These guys have all gotten together with Australia's own God, godfather of soul, <laughs> rock and roll, mm. Jimmy Barnes mm. and recorded a new single which no one in the world's heard yet. So this is Jimmy stinging with the Dead Daisies yeah. uh, as a precursor to their uh, their Australian tour. This I, I, can I just say though, you can't say that no one in the world's heard it because I couldn't help myself. I had to take a sneak peek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. We, we we do tell a little. Uh, we do tell a little fib. We have both heard it, folks, and it is. Yeah. I reckon it, without a word, I'm a, I'm a massive Chisel, massive Jimmy fan. You know, we've worked with, with the guys over the years mm. in different things through radio, but I think I haven't heard Jimmy sound this good in a long, long time. No. He sounds great. Absolutely, yeah, he's certainly into it, that's for sure. Well, uh, listen, let's not muck around. We should, uh, we should get straight into this week's show, mate. Let's go. Radio show. Robbo, I was watching Channel 9 News a number of years ago and they ran a story on an Australian lady who'd headed to LA uh, to start her own television series. But rather than do it like an Ellen or an Oprah-esque type show, mm. uh, this lady decided to do it online and has started Kirsty TV. And wow. a mate of ours from the Mojo Radio Show, Terry Hawkins, reminded me that Kirsty was over there, put us in touch... It's a fantastic story, amazing lady with wonderful, wonderful stuff to share. So we are delighted to have Kirsty on the line with us. So Kirsty Spragan, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Thank you for having me. Now, you are making 
quite a name for yourself around the place for Kirsty TV. What is Kirsty TV? What's it about? I guess in a nutshell, for me, it's really about sharing our stories. And I believe that when we share our stories, we help heal ourselves and heal others. There's a lot of um, courage and bravery that comes into the show from my guests um, sharing deeply personal journeys. A lot of them have never talked about them on camera. Uh, everything from addiction to rape, trauma, everything in between. There's not a topic that we don't cover. Now, it's an online, basically, television show that you've set up. Uh, yeah. You're a WA girl living over in LA. Tell us, just tell us the backstory. What was the, give us the, the journey you've gone through to get you to where you are now with your own online television program? Well, I started in real estate back in the day in Western Australia, um, did fairly well out of that and ended up writing a book and becoming a motivational speaker. Um, and when at the time I thought I was just going off to speak and it's funny, like a year later I read in my journal, I'm leaving real estate to go speak and become a TV show host and have a uh, book. And I remember reading it and thinking, where did that come from? So I think sometimes we, you know, have an inner knowing about where we're going um, that maybe it takes us a while to catch up with. But uh, probably a couple of years into the speaking, I'd been coming out to the US and going backwards and forwards and um, taking a look at the market and I wasn't ready. Um, it had been such a journey to leave real estate at the top of my game to go into speaking and feel like, you know, you're a nobody, um, you, a lot of lessons around ego a lot of fear coming up, moving cities, leaving family, leaving friends. So I just wasn't ready to do that all over again um, and to feel so vulnerable. So it took me a while and then I eventually, I think it was about four or five years into being moving from Perth to Sydney, from real estate to speaking, that I made the decision to move to LA and that was nearly four years ago now. Hmm. Had you always been a fan of kind of Oprah's and Ellen's and these sorts of chat shows? No, I was working too much. You know, I was a work. <laughs> I was a work. I was an entrepreneur. I was out there building a business. I didn't have time to sit at home. You know, back in the day, it was twelve noon. You had to be home to watch talk shows. Um, so really, it wasn't until I started doing research on interview and interviewing that I started to really follow and look at the legacies they'd left and what people were doing. And also moving to LA, just seeing how much, um, you know, as a consumer, you kind of just think you're watching a movie. But when you move here, you really truly understand that there are a lot of people, a lot of really creative people who are passionate about sharing different messages through the power of storytelling. I saw a story, an interview that was done with you on Australian television about how you'd moved across to LA and you were getting a great lineup of inspiring guests and, and some celebrities. Well, when you, you had this idea, it was I don't know, maybe in your journal or written on a piece of paper or in the back of your mind. Do you remember what the original dream was in your mind, like what you wanted to do, what you wanted to achieve? Well, I think, you know, because a lot of this stems from my own story. I did a TEDx talk called You're Only As Sick As Your Secrets about 18 months ago where I publicly shared a secret. And so I think that, you know, as I said, there's almost like there's this inner knowing before you're ready to step up and have the courage to live that. So when I first started having, you know, there were the seeds planted and the idea that I wanted to do this, I wasn't really fully living in it and owning it. So mm. a lot of it was based around, you know, that I had had this um, feeling that what if there were places and, and communities and support? Because I think all of us, like if we look at the statistics, it's one in three, one in five for nearly everything from 
depression to suicide to STDs to rape and trauma to, you know, one in three girls being sexually abused, one in five boys. And so when I look at that, I think everyone in every room, on every bus, on every train that we're on, pretty much has some kind of shame or stigma going on for them that we don't own up to or talk about that we, you know, that then insidiously infects our lives. And so for me, there was this piece of wanting to help people heal, wanting to help people understand that, you know, so for me with every interview, it's twofold. I want them to know that they're not the only one, that someone else has been through it. And secondly, I want them to see that there's hope. So I only ever interview people who are at the end of that healing journey um, or at least are far enough down it to have some wisdom and some lessons to impart on how did they get there. Um, And I think that, you know, if you have cancer or if you've been raped, then you can talk to family and friends and there's plenty of people who can give you help and insight, but there is nothing like sitting down with somebody else who has that same thing because there's certain universal lessons and questions and feelings that you go through that only someone who's been there can really get. So is it fair to say that your when you started this, the dream wasn't so much having a television show, it was more about building a community where people could share their stories? Is that, is that fair? Like it's a, it's a greater yeah. purpose than just having a TV show? Yeah, I mean, people said to me when I moved out here, well, you should look at um, hosting other shows and, you know, you could do this and you could do that and, you know, go for casting calls. And it really, that was exactly what I said to them. It was never my vision to be a TV host or to have a, a any talk show. My vision is to have this specific show with this specific message for this specific reason. And so um, it has evolved in lots of different ways. And I think that's what's really important when you have a vision and a dream, that you're not fixated on it having to look a certain way. So I wasn't fixed on it having to be on a a huge network. Um, It may end up that it stays online. Um, We've now developed a six-week online course uh, called Shameless, where we're helping people to do their work and people having, you know, huge breakthroughs on things that they've had in their life for decades that they couldn't shift and heal. Uh, One lady this week, she had a twin she hasn't spoken to in 25 years. And after doing the work, she reached out to her. So for me, um, you know, that came from when I did my TEDx talk on You're Only As Sick As Your Secrets, people started reaching out and writing to me and saying, I want to get to that place. How do I get there? And so I listened to that. And so I think a lot of it's been very organic, very intuitive. I didn't ever think I would have a six-week online course with um, licensed therapists. And I brought these uh, a psychotherapist and therapist in. Again, people I'd met in LA through the community, through the show. And um, and so it it's very organically developed. It wasn't like I set out that it's going to look like this. It was from the feedback from the viewers, from it being online. We did, we have over a hundred episodes up now and and that was over the last couple of years. And so through that um, feedback and learning, everything's kind of developed. It's, it's interesting. I get a lot of people talking to me about how challenging it can be to find your purpose, to find that place that you have found where it's bigger than just sort of the show itself, but there's a real purpose behind what you're doing. And you can kind of hear it in your voice and your stories. If there was one thing you would say to people listening to enable them to go through the process you've gone through from being in the corporate world to being a speaker now to working in this passion of yours, if there was one thing that you would suggest they do immediately, what would it be? Do the thing they're afraid of. 
because I think that a lot, a lot of fear comes with this. So whenever I, you know, I've learned that the fear, when I start to talk about something and I get emotional or I get triggered and tears start, or uh, yesterday someone challenged me around um, increasing my fees and there was kind of like a, oh, like a little, mm, uh, that doesn't feel comfortable. And so that's where I always want to play. You know, I want to, instead of withdrawing from that and pulling back, I want to lean in and go, okay, it's really uncomfortable and I feel really vulnerable and there's a reason and it's trying to tell me something. And I think not not only in terms of our um, business and career and, and living in our calling and our purpose, this is what I see linked to the show. You know, when people are numbing and not wanting to feel anything uncomfortable or anything painful, um, particularly with a lot of the things, like I said, everybody goes through something. I think we are taught, we are not taught coping skills. Instead, we are taught, let's have a burger, let's have a drink, let's go and take the edge off. Um, And so we learn not to play in that unsafe place. And the thing is that our emotions are not... um, you know, they don't, uh, they're not discerning in that way. So if we numb pain, we numb joy. And so the more we're not able to feel discomfort and not able to sit in that place, then the less able we are to be happy and to feel joyful. And I think the other piece is that we're, I think in a lot of ways, people see pain and discomfort as something negative. Whereas I feel like they're the things that have made me into my greater self. Um, they're the things that drive me and push me to be better, um, to go harder. I was watching Straight Outta Compton. Uh, have you seen it yet, Gary? No, I haven't, but I have heard a number of people talk about it. So good. Like, you've got to go. But I came back and I just went, I wrote a, a letter out to myself after I'd been meditating. So I watched Straight Outta Compton and then I meditate really great. Deepak would love that. But, um, <laughs> so, but basically this, like, what, what came out, what I channeled onto paper was step up, like, I've pulled back a little bit in the last six months. I have, there is a little bit of fear there. And so it's, it was just kind of a letter to myself, like go harder, step into the discomfort, you know, be scared again. And I think that you have, as an entrepreneur, you know, I think you're in fetal position every couple of months and it's a real like roller coaster ride if you're willing to ride it. I think the thing is most people pull back at those moments and stay in comfort and play, you know, in the middle and, so you've got to be willing to constantly ask yourself what's going on. And for me, the the essence of it all, and, and when I speak, one of the major things that comes through is that it's not the mountains we conquer but ourselves. And I truly think that this journey for me has really been about that conquering myself. And um, I call it my eat, pray, love journey. So instead of finding myself through traveling and eating pasta in Italy. And and I found myself through having the guts to live my dream. And, you know, people thought I was insane when I left real estate and I was in the top 100 of 120,000 worldwide. And then I move into speaking. They're like, what are you doing? Most people would live to have that career and to walk away and be in, and I'm, you know, two weeks later, I'm like, what have I done? Um, And I'm crying in a bathroom cubicle at a speaker's conference thinking, how am I ever as all of these people and so it's scary and there is a lot of vulnerability in it there are moments where you doubt yourself and you've got to hold on to that early belief or whatever it was that you know called you um, to go do this and so that's what I try and remember um, here in LA is why I felt called to do this what it's about 
and try to stay on path with that. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, Kirsty, because I think you're philosophically, I think you're in line with Robbo a lot because he too likes to eat. <laughs> he's praying the Wallabies win the World Cup and he loves his footy. So when you yeah. say eat, pray, love, I think he's in your lane. Yeah. yeah. The, only, the only one you missed in there was drink and it's not alcohol but coffee. <laughs> Yours will be eat, drink, love. Yes. Yeah, eating burgers and Tim Tams. But anyway, look, we, we, we digress slightly. Now you've got um, me thinking about Tim Tams. Oh. Oh, do we need to send a care package? Yeah. Uh, How are you funny. for Vegemite? <laughs> yeah. I haven't That's had funny. a piece of toast with warm butter and Vegemite for like six months. Yeah, uh, yeah. Listen, I've actually just joined a protest on Facebook too to bring back the polywaffle because they've discontinued that as well. I'm devastated. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. need some summer rolls too and some oh. chocolate. Oh, oh, summer oh, now rolls. you're talking. Now, now you're talking. You're talking. Yeah, bang. absolutely. <laughs> hey, um, hey, listen, just just going back to your uh, to what you were talking about before, Kirsty. I'm interested to know. Um, you were talking about when you left real estate. There were plenty of naysayers who sort of, you know, said, "What are you mad? You know, leaving this career." How, how did you deal with that? I mean, dealing with our own fears is one thing, but dealing with negative input from others is another. How did how did you deal with that? Yeah, I think that um, I think there's a couple of things. I think firstly, we need to be aware that it's almost a mirror and an attraction thing. Like if we're scared and we almost want people to validate that we can't do it. If there's a inner core belief that we're a little bit hesitant, we're, we're almost going to attract that to affirm it for us. Mm. Um, and it can give us an easy out. Yeah, they're right. Maybe I should be talked out of this. Um, so for me, I had actually, uh, I did it all pretty quickly. I had made the decision. I was in a hotel room. I was feeling a little bit unsettled with things and I had a conversation with myself, <laughs> which I do a lot, um, and was just kind of like, what do I need to do? What What's wrong? What do I want to be doing? And, you know, I knew clearly it's like, you want to go and speak, so go and speak. Mm. Um, and so I pretty much came back the next day and told my licensee of the real estate office and um, my assistant and made plans for everything to be wrapped up within three months. And I, fe- I felt like I almost needed to do that because otherwise I could have changed my mind um, because over the next three months were a lot of moments of self-doubt. And then in terms of other people, um, I, look, I think that the first thing to be aware of is that most of the time their reactions are coming out of their own fears and their own insecurity that they wouldn't do it. I don't think most of the time it's not coming from a mean place. Um, it's just that that maybe they don't even have a dream that's that big. So they truly think you are deluded and insane. Um and I think that, you know, in terms of what you can do is just protect yourself. And there were people that I didn't speak to for a little while because I knew that I wasn't in a headspace to have that coming in. Um, and then the other thing is to make sure that when you're moving and transitioning into the new field, that again, that you have the right people because there were speaker coaches and mentors who supported me in a way that I needed that didn't make me feel crazy and deluded. And there were a couple of people who I had conversations with who I left full of fear and insecurity and thinking like, what have I done? And luckily they weren't in my world a whole lot. So I could move through it quickly and then be supported by the people who were super amazing. So I think that it's, you know, it's important to have strong mentors and support networks in the new space um, because they're the people who are going to lift you up and keep you in faith. Kirsty, just just on that, you've talked in your own programs online and and your television channel about how life in your mind is full of ups and downs. 
When you are in one of those downs, and to sort of follow on from Robbo's question, and you've either got the voices of other people challenging you, or as you said earlier today in this interview, you have your own internal dialogue. How do you how do you handle that voice of doubt? How do you handle that internal dialogue that's going on inside Kirsty's head when you hit that dark place? I think that so the the first thing I think is important is that every experience gives you a frame of reference for how things can turn out successfully. So what I mean by that is if I went um, to a new cooking class and did something that I was a little bit out of my comfort zone um, or traveled to a new place, when that experience is fun and you're, you have a, a win at it or um, it gives you a little boost in your confidence, that gives you a new frame of reference for um, doing something that for you might be out of your comfort zone or a little bit courageous. And so I think that all the things along the way built that by, I traveled to over 40 countries when I was younger. So moving from Perth to Sydney wasn't too scary, but leaving family and friends and not knowing anyone was. Leaving an identity as a top realtor and becoming a nobody again, that was tough. So by having some things that I'd already done that I knew worked out, they all helped build that. By moving from real estate to speaking and moving from Perth to Sydney, I was then able to move from Sydney to LA. As I said earlier, there was a point where I wasn't ready. I knew that I I was too vulnerable and too scared and I wasn't going to be strong enough to make that move at that time. So I waited and knew that I had like those reserves ready to go and then made the move to LA and again, you know, transitioning into new parts of um, TV and hosting and doing things that were challenging to me again. And I think that, so first of all, I would say to people like, do a lot of different things that stretch you in small ways so that you're ready to do things in bigger ways. Secondly, um, in terms of unslumping yourself is what I call it, um, is, you know, having a checklist, like for me, it's what sends me into fear. What, you know, it's usually things that make me uncomfortable, um, like doing accounting or web designs, anything that is really not something that I feel good at, usually are the things where fear starts to come up. Or um, I remember I, I had a Kmart meltdown. I was in Kmart. People said just because you were in Kmart in the US, that could be what sent me into the meltdown. But um, <laughs> it, when I thought about it, you know, so I have a, a little, I, as I said, I talk to myself a lot. So I went, what's going on? Like, why are you crying in the middle of Kmart? And a friend had sent me a text message. So that was the trigger. And when I went into a little bit further, it was like, oh, I'm launching the talk show online today. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> you know, so then I started going, so what's that about? Okay, well, wow. Like this is the first time people are going to see what I left Australia to do. What if they don't like it? What if they don't watch it? What if it's amateurish? You know, all those questions start to come up. And so if we don't have that conversation with ourselves. Usually what will happen is we'll go into procrastination or avoidance or depression and we'll just be kind of lost for a little bit. We may or may not get back into flow. Um, we'll be in a funk and I, you know, I, I call it my slump. Um, as Dr. Sue says, unslumping yourself is not easily done. And so I have a checklist. It's like call a friend straight away, have a conversation about it, have a day off, like stop pushing myself. They're the times when I need to back off, get on the couch, have some apple pie, get the comforter out. <laughs> some you know, yeah, some summer rolls. Um, you know, not stay there too long. Like you can't be on that couch slumped for like five days. 
Um, but I really do kind of have a checklist. I'll journal, I'll do a video blog about it and, you know, whether I'm going to share it or not. Sometimes it's just for me to process the feelings and the emotions and to get it out and to acknowledge like I'm feeling scared or I'm feeling, um, you know, whatever it is, I'm worried about X, Y, Z. Um, so I feel like giving those feelings a voice for me and acknowledging it is one way to kind of work through it. And there's a model called the conscious competence, conscious incompetence. And I think there's a big piece where we start doing something new and we're unconscious of our incompetence, which feels really safe and wonderful. And then the minute you transition through to the next quadrant, you become conscious of your incompetence. And I think this is where most people are like, it's terrifying. Nothing feels worse than publicly being conscious of your incompetence, whether that's being up on a stage speaking and not being very good or being on a talk show or writing your first book, you know, it's a really vulnerable place to be. So the the reality is though, if we don't sit in that feeling, then we don't get to the next quadrant, which is to become conscious of our competence. And so if we want to be successful at anything, we have to learn how to unslump ourselves, how to have those conversations, how to, you know, it's not the mountains we conquer, but ourselves. I think Kirsty's given us a new phrase, Gary. Because I really like it. Unslump yourself. I really like <laughs> Unslump that. Unslump yourself. I love it. That'll, that'll, just... be, that'll stick around the studio. Yeah, mate. You're absolutely. Slumping. Unslump yourself. Indeed. Well, you might like my other phrase, Darren, Ferk. Yeah, What's that? fun and work. Ferk. Ferk. Get your Ferk on, go Ferk yourself. Yeah, we'll see. I, well, I, oh, is I that what honestly, you said to me this morning? Yeah. <laughs> I, I can honestly say I still, after 25 years of doing this, I still ferk myself every day. So, um, <laughs> you're, ferking, you're ferking kidding, mate. Honestly. That's right. I'm ferking kidding. That's it. Kirsty, you just mentioned journaling and I saw one of your shows on Kirsty TV where you spoke about the fact that in a journal some time ago, you had written how you had aspirations to have either, I think it was either your own chat show or to be on television. And now that you were doing it, you kind of look back and went, wow, I actually did think about that quite a while ago. You know, look, look what's happened. Do you still journal? If you do, what sort of stuff are you currently using your journal for? Yes, I do still journal. Um, I, I love them for lots of reasons. I think one, to see how far you come as a person, to see the growth. I mean, to, from writing them at 11 years old to 37 years old, you know, there's a big difference in your mindset. And so I love that. Um, I also find them very cathartic and healing to help me process like when I am in fear or when I am vulnerable or success. Like I love you know, when something goes really well, I love having that memento and reminder. I think sometimes we can get so caught up in doing and being busy that sometimes we forget to recognize like the other week I did a blog about the milestone moments. And for me, um, they're not usually financial. Like last year I had an opportunity to speak for the bankruptcy forum. And I mean, 10 years ago, if I was asked to speak for lawyers and judges in their 60s, I would never, I would have been so full of fear. I didn't go to university, you know, college is a big thing in the US. Well, I ended up being the first female keynote that they'd had. So for me, that's beyond anything I can achieve financially. Um, so sometimes these things are so rewarding and I want to sit down and I want to remind myself about them and be present in the moment instead of just rushing off to do the next thing. Um, and I, now I've started visual journaling. So 
through the work with the online course that we have and with the therapists, I'll, every single week we have a journal activity and I've been doing it um, with each of the groups because I run through the course with them. So I'm getting like learning and healing on steroids, I tell you. So my journals have become very colourful. I do. I get a, candles out and um, flowers and I set the mood at night for me and my journaling. Um, <laughs> lots of watercolours, some glitter. I go to Target all the time and stock up on like journal supplies. Um, and so I do a lot of visual journaling. Sometimes um, I'm so busy that I don't have time to write all of the time. So I will even take grabs. Um, I'll print out things from Facebook where I have blogged in, in a little form or written something that's happened and I'll put those photos in the journal. Um, so yeah, I have lots of different formats for it. And I try to balance out, you know, journaling the success with journaling the lows as well yeah, so that yeah. I have a memory of, you know, what the journey was like. Kirstie, what have you learnt about yourself in the last couple of years on this journey? I think that I'm way stronger than I ever thought, um, that I'm brave. I never thought in a million years that I would share a secret publicly, something that I had kept for 18 years. Um, let alone on a TEDx stage, you know, as a speaker doing something around TEDx was a huge kudos thing that, so to do something like that, um, you know, I wanted to throw up all day. I was so nauseous and shaking. And, um, so I, you know, I've learned that I'm brave and that the things that I thought were scary were, have all ended up actually being the most beautiful things in my life that have led to so many incredible opportunities that would never have happened if I hadn't have had the courage to do those things that I was most afraid of. Mm. You've just, it's a, it's a beautiful segue. Um, you've talked about how sharing your secret had a profound effect on your life. And you've said that you're only as sick as your secrets. What's just talk me through the secret part? Like what what what's what's the philosophy behind? And I'll put a link to the TEDx speech into the show notes. People can go and see exactly what you're talking about because it's a, it's a beautiful presentation. What's the message behind this secret bit? I think that you know um, when I did the TED talk, I never wanted it to be about just my own secret because I think that the secrets are really irrelevant. A lot of people laugh and go, "What? That's it." Um, but when you live with something, it's the shame and stigma that you, of what the meaning you place on it. And I think for each of us, I mean, and that's been my biggest learning too, is that everyone has something and people can be really look really put together on the outside and be broken on the inside and be dealing with heavy stuff. And when, you know, through this, um, online healing course, one of the things I've learned is that, and, and it's funny because it's the first thing that people, the attendees shared back with me that they learned is we all got to see that we are not alone and that we all assume that our secret is the worst, the darkest, the heaviest, the thing that people would reject us for or not accept. And, um, and you know, we had like a hundred comments on one of these feeds where people were sharing things, you know, um, at four years old, we asked them to post a photo of them in their childhood. And, um, uh, you know, they were saying like at four years old, I was already broken. I'd already been touched. And it was incredible to see the vulnerability of people and to be the things that they had been through um, but no one rejected them. Nobody judged them in the way that they expected. And so I think that for me is the, the biggest piece with it is that it's what 
the damage that we do to ourselves and the meaning that we place on it, we end up locking ourselves in a prison of shame and stigma and it can affect people's lives for decades when it doesn't need to. You know, now I tell people at the luggage carousel and <laughs> someone will ask me about the TikTok <laughs> and all of a sudden I just start talking about it. I never would. I mean, I didn't think I was going to ever be able to talk to anyone about it, let alone hundreds of thousands of people and people at luggage carousels. Um, so it's the weirdest thing. And I would talk about my secret three, four times a week now. Um, it's just such a non-issue because for me, it's now about the work. It's about the fact that we all carry these and that was just my journey. Um, and, you know, people people will say sometimes, but, you know, I've gone through so much worse or this is so much worse. And I think it's all relevant, relevant or people will belittle their own pain. How can I even think this is a big deal? It happened 30 years ago. I should be over it. You, you know, everyone has their own experience and that some people can literally bounce back from something and it doesn't affect or impact their life at all. For others, they bury it and they think it's not impacting them. But when you look at your life and you go, why do I have dysfunctional, unhealthy relationships in every area of my life? Well, maybe it has something to do with that thing that I'm trying so hard not to ever feel or talk about or deal with. Um, and then for others, they're very aware that this is causing huge problems, but they don't know what to do about it. So, Kirsty, now that you've shared your secret, what's the reality now versus the perception? I think, you know, that anyone who goes down this path, they need to be aware there's like vulnerability remorse. There's certainly a period where like you want to go and get the video back. And I had to wait three months from when the TEDx, they stream it live on the day. But then after those people see it, it's shut down and it takes three months for it to be loaded up into the website. So all of that period, I was just, what have I done? Maybe this is going to be the stupidest thing I've ever done. Um, and it really has been the most incredible journey. There was a few pieces. So I had um, a lady who had been reaching out to me about being on my show and she called me one day and I just said to her, I'm not having a good day. The video is going up on TEDx in like less than five days. I've just found out. And she's like, well, you're not going to believe this. When that live streaming went up just this week, my um, best friend of 30 years rang me and said, you know, did you remember that girl that you put the video up? And I said, you know, yes. And she said, well, I have it too. And then her daughter and then her niece. And so I'm bawling in the car by this point because all I wanted to do was reach one person who could say me too, who felt, um, and so it was like all the fear just disappeared in that moment. I knew that it was worth it for me because that was all I wanted to achieve. And then since then, in terms of uh, my corporate clients, because obviously I'm a motivational speaker, there was a part of me that really kept the two identities separate. I had my motivational talks where I talk on mindset and moving forward and living your dreams. And then I had the, this talk called the transformational power of truth over on the side. And I really was a little bit hesitant at what would people think if I'm talking about these secrets and these shameful topics. Um, and it was interesting. A few weeks ago, I had a Fortune 500 company call me and I asked, and they were in the real estate in industry, and I asked them how they had heard about me. And generally, they've heard about my real estate career. And they said, well, our VP and EP are actually huge TEDx fans, and they'd seen your video. 
And so when I hung up, I actually burst into tears because I didn't even realize that that fear had still been there for me and that I'd held on to it a little bit and, and had really separated the two worlds. And so that week I made the decision to remove one of my topics that I no longer speak on and to put the two topics I want to be speaking on, Audacity and Shameless, um, out there. And um, not everyone will be okay with that. Not everyone's going to want that topic, but I think that there are more and more there are organizations that understand that if this stuff isn't worked out with their people, that it plays out in the boardroom, it plays out in leadership roles, it plays out in their culture. Um, and if people aren't happy and aren't okay then, and they, they don't have that stuff sorted in their personal life, then they're not going to believe in themselves and have the guts and the courage to go be brave and live their dreams if they can't even be vulnerable in small ways. It's such an interesting point because I'm sure that once we finish this show, Rob and I will sit in the studio and we would have a thousand secrets each. <laughs> How, right? Speak for yourself, and Gary. Some, some, some will stay secrets. But um, how do you, what comes to mind for me is how do you know what to share? Yeah, well, there's so many different things. And actually on our YouTube channel, Kirsty TV, there's a couple of newer videos you'll see about like when is it a secret versus privacy and what's the damage and um, which we did with a psychotherapist. And so the big thing is that when you're keeping a secret that is negatively impacting you, when you're holding on to nice, it and yep, you're thinking yep. about it every day, when it's, um, you know, when you don't know how to tell a prospective partner that you're dating and, you know, it's those kinds of things. Or there was a lady who had kept her secret. She'd been abused sexually as a child and she had kept this secret 50 years she was married to a man who was, you know, it was a domestic violence situation. And the therapist was saying that once she released this secret, she didn't realize that it was an issue that she needed to talk about it or anything like that. But it was like everything else shifted and changed once she was able to release it with just one person in a safe way. She realized that I'm worth more and I don't need to put up with this and I don't deserve to be in this relationship. So a lot of times the shame makes us feel less than. And so then yeah. all of a sudden we start attracting um, partners or bullies, whether it's in friend circles or relationships in terms of love or whether it's in the workplace because we don't des- believe that we deserve better than that. So I think that it's um, seeing if you're behaving in ways that are less than, if you have low self-esteem, low self-worth, like a lot of that can be tied to um, shame or, or stigma or things that have happened in our past. Um, and it can be current things. I mean, um, eating disorders, uh, depression, suicide. There's a lot of things that people, you know, you might think, well, why do they have to be ashamed of that? But it's what we make it mean. It's how we internalise it that does the damage. Yeah, interview just paid for itself, Robert. Absolutely. Gold. <laughs> There's gold up there on Mulholland Drive, That's my friend. That's the one. If you look into them Hollywood Hills, you'll see the gold, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> look, I know you've got plenty on today. A couple of quick things just before we wrap up and I will put a link to that secret that we've been talking so, so much about in the show notes. People can go in because um, it's really yeah, worth they're, watching. Yeah, they're going to be like, what is this? Not, yeah, these, is is, is, is that it that big? Is it that good? No. Oh, it's not. We can't tell you. It's a secret. <laughs> can't tell you. And it's no secret that we have Tim Tams and Summer Rolls in the studio. It's yeah. no secret. Well, send them over. Mind you, it's a nice segue to uh, Doc Neeson and the boys at the Angels. No secrets, Robbo, don't you think? I think so, definitely. Yeah. And you should ask the big question of Kirsty, I think. Oh, the big question. Big question. Yeah. Now, you need to know the background to this, Kirsty, is there is one hard-hitting question that I like to pose to everybody who we bring onto the show. 
So let me just let me just set the scene for you. You're sitting backstage before you record one of your episodes, and you're feeling like you need to get your mojo going. What's the go-to track for for Kirsty to uh, to put on her on her iPod to get her mojo pumped before she she goes out to record that day's episode? Nicki Minaj, the night is still young. <laughs> That's a newie. We haven't had that one yet. No, we haven't. Oh, I do Let's like Katy Perry's Roar as well. And uh, yeah, there's okay. a few. There's a few. But at the moment, I listen to Nikki nearly every single morning. I play at 7am as I hit the running and head out the door. She's the first track on. Right. We should uh, we should crank a little bit of it. <laughs> crank it up. Hey, yo, drinks to you. The drinks is on me. We ain't going nowhere like tanks is on E. Now, Kirsty, speaking of getting up and going, what do you do? You, does Kirsty have any daily routines or non-negotiables that sit in your day? Well, I try to make sure that I do <laughs> some running every single day. Um, I would say, like, I'm eighty percent. You know, there might be one or two days I'll miss, um, but hey, it's a weekend. Sometimes you <laughs> should. Um, but yeah, I, I try and make sure that I get exercise in first and early because um, otherwise it doesn't get done. Um, yeah. I try and eat well because um, otherwise you'll be in a slump halfway through the afternoon if you're eating carbs. <laughs> so I try to have a light lunch um, and I try to book my schedule in a way that I is around my energy. I know that by late <laughs> afternoon I'm going to be lower in energy, so I'll do the things that are easier like phone calls and meetings and things like that, social things, FERC for me. And then in the morning when I know that um, my energy is high, I'll do the things that are a bit tougher like the writing and anything that involves a little bit more thinking of the brain. I must have seen a lot of your morning stuff because I haven't seen you when your energy's not on. Yeah. Well, can I, can, I, can I also just say that um, we're speaking to you in the afternoon, your time, and, um, man, if, if your energy's low at the moment, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing something of you when your energy's high in the morning. <laughs> this is the end of the day, end of a 12-hour day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a couple of trips to Starbucks. A um, couple of quick things, because um, before we finish, <laughs> yeah. we, um, we often talk on the show about the philosophies of the famous martial artist Bruce Lee, and he said it's not the daily increase but the daily decrease hack away at the unessentials is there something you have hacked away or an unessential thing that you have dropped from your world in the last 12 months that's had a profound effect on you or your performance or your life yeah the and i'm not perfect at this but i've definitely dropped the shooting on myself i Mm. work less you know um Last week, I was just exhausted, and in the afternoon, I took a two-hour nap and put Deepak Chopra's um, book on. I love the Seven Spiritual Secrets to Success, and his voice is so soothing, it's almost meditative. Um, (laughs) And afterwards, I I had three ideas that I wrote down that would not have come to me if I hadn't backed off. So I think that what I've learned to do is not feel like, and that's part of the FERC philosophy too, I think that there's this Protestant work ethic where we feel like if we're not working hard and doing all the time, that we can't be successful. And that's just not true. There's a lot of um, work that comes from slowing down and backing off and especially in terms of creativity and thinking about where I want to be heading and what I want to be doing. Um, I'm heading off on Friday to the UK for a month on a speaking tour and I'm really looking forward to not having to be in the office seven days a week from, you know, doing my 12, 14 hour days. I'll work a little bit while I'm on the road, but what I'm 
really hoping for is that in those gaps in between, that creates that space for me to be thinking and to really think about what's next for Kirsty TV. Where do I want to take this? You know, um, is it a book? Uh, what's coming up? And if you don't have that time, then you get stuck like a little mice on a treadmill sometimes. Kirsty, this has been... Fantastic. And we'd like to get you back on at some point where you can talk about your next chapter to see where this story continues to to lead because this has been really, really cool. There's some absolute gold um, in then their Hollywood Hills. And um, thanks for taking the time out. It's really nice to catch up, really nice to hear your story. Um, if people who will... Uh, want to know more about Kirsty TV, where would you send everybody? Um, they can find me in a couple of places. So we have KirstyTVwebsite.com. There's also YouTube, which they can just type in Kirsty TV, K-I-R-S-T-Y TV, and there'll be the 150 episodes there. There's so many different playlists. I mean, there's stuff on my journey, uh, there's stuff around entrepreneurship, and then there's all of the emotional interviews and there's some celebrity interviews and experts. Um, and there's so many different topics. And then I'm on social media all the time. So I'm happy for people to send me a friend request, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever they want to find me, all at Kirsty TV or my personal page as well. Just um, just on that, one, one quick question that has just come to mind for me, Kirsty. Typically when you say you've got to listen to this album, you've got to listen to this artist, you would recommend this track. This track would be a really good understanding of what this artist is all about. And all of us who have a musician or an artist have a painting or a something or a track that we know is the go-to that we love about them. We're going to send people to Kirsty TV, to YouTube and to your website. If there was one show that you would say you have to watch this show because of the story, the outcomes, the emotion, and it just absolutely nails what Kirsty TV is all about, is there a show that comes to mind for you? Oh, my gosh. It's like asking me to choose between my babies. I know. I was going to say, God. It's really hard, but I think there's an early interview I did with a guy called DJ who'd been in prison for a decade and lost all of his 20s. He was actually in there for 16 years and we've become really great friends. He's turned his life around um, and it's interesting because I personally, I critique the interview because it was literally one of my first ever interviews. But the content is so amazing. His story is so beautiful. He's so brave and where he has, you know, what he went through and, and where he is today is just profound. Um, there's a lovely lady, Mia, who um, stars in a reality show called Push Girls at 15. She ended up paralysed um, and has just gone on, again, has become a friend. We went to an Oprah event together and she's dancing in her wheelchair. Um, wow. Like a, just an amazing woman, so inspiring. Um, our most watched episode is actually one on a girl who was human trafficked and, I mean, it's heartbreaking, um, but that's, you know, one of our most viewed. So it really is so random as to what people enjoy and watch and, the, I mean, we had Joe Cross, the guy who um, had only juice for 60 days. Uh, he's an Aussie guy who came across to America. Um, that one's really popular because um, a lot of people have so many health and wellness issues nowadays. So. It's really interesting what people gravitate to. It's interesting that none of our celebrity interviews are our most popular. All of them are everyday people who've done extraordinary things. Well, this has been fantastic. We um, we appreciate it. It's been great, Rob. It's been fantastic. Yeah, it's, there's a, a, a you know a few phrases I'm going to take away. Definitely unslump yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Kirsty, thank you so much for taking time out to be on our little program. We uh, we love talking to you and hope we can keep in touch. 
I loved being here and I'd be happy to come back. Thanks for having me. Beauty. God, it's nice to hear people say that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean it. Help us get the Mojo Radio Show on the iTunes What's Hot list. Hit up the Mojo Radio Show and leave a comment now. Oh, and please. You are such a disappointing pair. Be gentle with us. So it's a good thing that she took her cues from Ellen and Oprah because uh, Jerry Springer might have taken her down the wrong road. (laughs) (laughs) What a great lady. I really enjoyed that. And there's some real gold in that. I I think that... uh, the stuff about secrets. And- yeah, and I think the trick is that she's finding what we're finding, that online is just opening up this whole new world for people. Like, you don't need to find a TV station that says, yep, you know, we'll run your content. You don't need to find a radio station that says, yep, we think a show about Mojo's got some premise. Yeah. Just go out there and do it. And obviously people want it because, you know, they're listening and watching. I must say things are changing, Robbo, because I think we are, you and me, um, are a classic example that we have our own little show that we designed that we thought we'd like Mm. and we thought our mates would like. And Mm. it's turned into, did you know that last month we had more listeners internationally than we did in Australia? Really? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Australia, get your game together. Yeah. In fact, the US <laughs> is our biggest listening audience, which is just, wow. you know, fantastic. Um, That's great. But it, it, it just goes to show. And then what's happening is if you do a quality show that adds value to people's lives, is well produced, you get guys like the Dead Daisy yeah. saying, well, we'll support you and, um, you know, good on you, boys. That's so, right. uh, Absolutely. So let, let's, let's, let's just talk about worldwide exclusive premiere of this classic track mm-hmm. uh, with Jimmy Barnes and the Dead Daisies. Yeah. Robbo, I'd like your thoughts on this, but what I loved about the, the bio that came through to launch Revolution, which is the new album by the boys, which is out this week, yeah. which is a cracker, is that the guys have gotten together and said, we are going to bring back classic rock. And I, I mean, that, that's our heart. That's for the Mojo Radio Show. That's, a, that's our heart <laughs> yeah, and soul, hello. right? Yeah, hands up. <laughs> <laughs> but to have uh, it produced in Australia and having Jimmy sing, and I think he sounds fantastic, mm. and his son is playing uh, on the drum, yeah, it's just a great story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the whole Dead Daisies thing is a great story. You know, it's things, mm. you know, just amazing minds that have just come together and just gone, you know, screw it, let's make some fantastic rock. There's one other thing, folks, just for you to, to uh, get a hold of, which this is – this is extraordinary. The guys are giving away a Harley Davidson and it is a Harley Davidson Street 500 motorcycle. Mm. Uh, and to enter, you donate $10 to the Cancer Council of New South Wales. Yes. Yeah. Is that right? So your yeah. entry comes with your $10 donation, which goes straight to the Cancer Council. Yep. And then that puts you in the draw to win the Dead Daisies Harley Davidson Street 500 uh, bike. It's just fantastic. Just um, to enter, guys, just go to thedeaddaisies.com and there's a banner at the top. Just click on that and pay your $10 and that's your entry. You basically entered to win the most, the coolest looking Harley Davidson I've seen in a long time, can I just say. Mate, how's that uh, piston head lager helmet as well? Yeah, how cool is that? Yeah, absolutely. sick. Yeah, look, 10 bucks, guys. Come on, that's a a couple of beers at the pub and, and it goes to a great cause and the chance to win... A Harley, geez, you can't lose. Honestly. I was in a pub recently and that was a beer. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, well, the places you drink, I don't doubt that. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't there long. Um, so this is, that's, that's a good thing. And because, yeah. you know, I personally am very close to everything cancer through the Tour de Cure and raising money, everything else, to see the guys do this, it's just, it's a great initiative. And I just think to see a bunch of guys who are, Dead set in the classic rock legendary lane, mm. 
doing something to help others. Uh, there must be a backstory to it, so we must ask the boys what the story is when yep. we get together with them in uh, in rock time. Can I just say too? I mean, we, we keep saying you know the boys are from come from the classic rock days, as you've heard with Mexico, and as you'll hear with this new track, it's anything but classic rock that they're recording now. This stuff is so up to date and just so cool. Oh yeah, that's no, not, not classic rock. It's 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 yeah. in today's lane. It's uh, if you like to rock in any genre, you you'll love this. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of which, we should really get it on because I can't wait much longer. Do it. So here we go folks. This is a world exclusive. The Dead Daisies. No one anywhere in the world has heard this song except for Gary and me and a couple of other people. <laughs> this is The Dead Daisies. Jimmy Barnes out the front and it's called Empty Heart.
your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio Show. Guys, if you're if you're not feeling good after hearing that, <laughs> there's something yeah. wrong. So, yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. Now, listen, I need to mention this very quickly because I forgot to do it last week. Beecroft Under 12s premieres for 2000. I think win the grand final. Won the grand final, indeed. Oh, mate, that's huge. We, we didn't yeah. mention that. No, I forgot all about it last week. There was a million other things going on when we did the show and I completely forgot. So, um, so yeah, so well done, boys. We can't be beaten. We can't be beaten. There you go. We should get one of the one of the boys from Rose Tats on for October. We should. That'd be good. Well, you know mm. as well as I do, there's a story behind that song. So, um, yeah, so yeah. we might have to get them on. Good job, mate. Well done mm. to the coach. Well done to the boys. Shout out to all the lads. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Good news. Yeah, very what good. What a great way to finish the show. Indeed. Good stuff. Catch you next week. Right the Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au. And for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peter speaking. See you next time.